Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. If you're planning a meeting, conference, or special event in Missoula, consider the Wingate by Wyndham. Our event space is comfortable and flexible. Whether you need an intimate boardroom meeting or a conference war 100, Missoula's Wingate is the perfect fit. Our audio-visual equipment, upgraded internet, and flexible food and beverage policies allow you to put on an impressive show without breaking the bank. Call us at Missoula's Wingate, where we make you feel at home when you're not. We go now to the Reagan's Brothers RV phone line, and we welcome back to the show the athletic director from Jacksonville State, who is also the commissioner of the FCS selection uh, committee, the chairman there, Greg Seitz. Greg, thanks so much for being with us once again. We wanted to know what was happening on the front end. Now we want to know what's happening on the back end, but thanks so much for being back with us. No, I'm happy to be here. Thank you. You bet. Now, Greg, I mean, a crazy day, and obviously uh, within the context of the state of Montana, Montana and Montana State both ending up with a seed, and four, fully four of the of the eight seeded teams that are going to get a buy are Big Sky Conference teams. What in general led the committee to sign at such a sort of a, a strong uh, sort of strength of teams and schedule to those Big Sky teams that did get those seeds? Yeah, I think it was pretty obvious all football season uh, that the Big Sky was going to be really, really strong. And, um, you know, there's a lot of parity in the Big Sky this year. And I think that was evident by those, you know, those teams basically beating up on each other there. So when you look at the win-loss record, uh, it was just pretty evident that those teams were, uh, you know, the, the four, four really, really good teams. They all deserved to buy. When you're breaking down the resumes of each, uh, Sac State played two FBS but also played an NAIA. Montana, Montana State each just played the one FBS. Weaver State played two FBS, but no down games. So when you're weighing just the, the schedules of each of the Big Sky Conference teams, do you just throw the non-FCS games out, or how does that work? Yeah, so it is. So so the, non, the, the non-Division the non I games, you know, basically they're, they're almost like you don't play those games. So the committee, we don't even look at the results of the games or anything at all. No. You know, if they suffered a loss, it would be you know very detrimental to to those teams. But you know, they're expected to win those. And then we we do take into consideration if we're playing up and playing an FBS opponent. Um, you know, there's never uh, you know a good thing is a, you know is a loss, right? A loss or is not a good thing most of the time. But uh, it does give the committee some comparative data if it's a you know a seven point game or uh, you know and certainly you know we had three FBS wins across the division this year. And so, and I think those teams ended up, um, you know, those, those really came into play as we were looking uh, at the field and also in seeding. Uh, you know, Central Arkansas, that was really, the committee felt like that, that FBS went over a really good Western Kentucky team. Um, you know, that was, that's kind of what got them up in the seed, uh, seed for this tournament. When you look at the Big Sky, it's really fascinating because all four teams finished with 9-3 and three records. Like you say, you take the Southern Oregon win for Sac State out so that's, a, that's an eight-win Sac State team, but still a team that shared the conference title. And the, of those 12 cumulative losses, six were to FBS. The other six were five to Big Sky teams and then a sixth to North Dakota, Montana State's uh, other 
league loss that wasn't a league win for North Dakota. We'll get into that in a little bit. But sure. when you look at the head-to-heads, though, Sac State takes apart both the Montana schools but then gets handled by Weaver State. Weaver State handles Sac State but then gets destroyed by Montana and does not play Montana State. Montana State gets beat handily by Sac State but then destroys Montana. So how do you weigh the head-to-heads? Yeah, so, you know, we just end up, uh, you know, as we're looking through the seat process, uh, and we basically just weigh exactly what you're saying. We do have a few other tools that are available. We we released the SRS rankings yesterday. Uh, once we release the full bracket, we look at our, uh, what we call our RAC, which is our regional advisory committee. So for the West RAC, that includes the Southland and the Big Sky team. So we have four athletic directors who are on that West RAC. And each week, for the last six weeks, they've been going in and ranking uh, those teams in that rack, and they also included North Dakota, who was an independent. Uh, so as we as we were, we took uh, the the West rack, uh, looked at the SRS strength of schedule. So it, it's a very very narrow. Obviously, head to head is one of the things that we look at. But just from the scenarios that you just mentioned, it was it was crazy out in the Big Sky this year with with everybody just beating up on everybody. Greg Seitz joining us. He's the athletic director at Jacksonville State and is the uh, chair of the selection committee for the FCS playoffs. And Greg, specifically with that Montana-Montana State game, uh, I think it was one of the games that a lot of people thought in the top 10 could go in a couple of different ways. I know a couple other top teams, top 10 teams ended up actually losing on Saturday outside of that game, but not just the win that Montana State had, but the dominant fashion in which they won. Was there any danger of Montana not getting a seed after losing the way they lost? No, there really wasn't. So we do a top 10 committee ranking for the last six weeks. And I'm not going to get, I can't tell you specifically where Montana was headed into this, to the Montana State game. What I can tell you, though, is despite that loss, you can see where they ended up, uh, where the committee felt like that they ended up with that national seed. So it was a, it was a game that certainly was very important uh, to us and to the, to the whole seed process. But that loss really, it, it didn't affect where they were ranked. Uh, the committee still felt like they were one of the best eight teams, and I think we, we showed that when we finished with their ranking. Montana and Montana State have never played each other in the playoffs, and uh, the only way that'll happen this year is if it's for a national championship, which, you know, that's what I'm holding out for here, uh, Greg. That's what I want to see. But... Is there any consideration given to, like, two rivalry schools, whether it's Montana, Montana State, or others, that are both into a playoff scenario and where they're ranked to sort of avoid that scenario at all? Or is it all just where you think they should be if they play each other in the first round, then so be it? Yeah, so so I'm gonna, that's really a two-part question. So the first thing the committee does is we're going to rank the best eight teams regardless of conference affiliation or anything at all. So we're going to set those top eight teams how the committee feels like that they should be ranked. So we want to reward who we think are the best eight teams, regardless of conference affiliation. So once we set those first eight games, now when we get into our first round games, it, now we, we have a different set of rules and policies when we get into the bracketing side. So on the bracketing side, we have we have rules that we must follow. And it's not only for the FCS football championship. This includes baseball, softball, every other championship except men and women's basketball. So our rules are, if you're within 400 miles of um, driving to a school, we're going to pair you up. It does it for a couple of things. We try to limit the number of flights, obviously because of cost. But secondly, on Thanksgiving weekend, we understand how difficult it is for the fans to get to the opponents. So that's that's the basis for our regional geographical uh, bracketing process. And so we're going to bracket those teams in um, based on drivable distance. Now, this year in the first round, you'll notice we had five teams that are able to drive, but then we knew we had three flights that we had to put together. And then what we'll do is one, we're going to pair the teams up, but we're not going to place them in those one through eight seeds until we're going to say, okay, if can either one of these schools, if they win, can they drive to one of those eight seeds? Again, to help limit the flights and to help with the regional side. So that's why you see like North Dakota could drive to North Dakota State. So that's why they're paired up into that area, and we'll go down through the process, just really try to limit the number of flights, and if you're in 400 miles, that's how we're going to pair you up uh, with the second-round opponents if either one of those teams in the first round can drive there. The way I voted in my final FCS Stats Top 25, I had the, the top six exactly how you guys had it. 
I think that then seven and eight were probably tough decisions for the committee. So South Dakota State uh, getting the number seven seed over a Northern Iowa team that ended the season ranked ahead of them. How much of the head-to-head where South Dakota State took Northern Iowa apart two weeks ago in a 38-7 win went into that? And how did you determine South Dakota State as the number seven seed? Yeah, so, you know, it was really close when we were talking about those final city teams. And when you looked at, you know, at South Dakota State, they played one of the best conferences, and they did have a head-to-head win over some of the other teams that we were considering as a seed. Uh, you know, even though they had the three losses, remember it was a, a 12-game year. And when you looked at UNL, it was really close when we were talking about them for the final seeds. The committee just didn't feel like they had that signature win to put them into the top eight. They do play again in one of the tough conferences, but they were 0-3 against the other teams that did receive a, a bye from the Missouri Valley. So that's really, I think, going 0-3 against those other teams that were seeded was, was the determining factor there. And the number eight seed Central Arkansas was a similar situation in the South, and right. I mean, Central Arkansas tied for the league title with a seven and two record, but Nichols uh, Nichols was also there at seven and two, and they beat Central Arkansas head to head. Southeastern Louisiana also beat Central Arkansas, even though they finished at six and three. So, what, what was the deciding factor to give Central Arkansas the number eight seed? So you know, the committee really felt like that FBS win over mm-hmm. a really good Western Kentucky team, who was bowl eligible with seven wins, and it was it was it was. By far, we felt like the best FBS win of any team. So they were co-champions of their conference, and they had a higher strength of schedule when compared to the other teams that we were talking about. Then they were one and two against the field with a win over Austin P, who was the OVC champion. So that's that's really how Central Arkansas ended up with the eighth seed. Greg Seitz, the uh, athletic director at Jacksonville State. He's also the uh, chairman of the selection committee uh, for the uh, FCS playoffs. Greg, we certainly appreciate it. The only thing I think you you guys could have done better is I don't understand how NDSU gets the one seed. I'm not even sure that's a team that deserves a bye myself, but that's just one man's opinion. <laughs> I guess that's 30, why I'm on the outside. Only 33 wins in a yeah, row. Yeah, no big deal there. Uh, hey, Greg, we really appreciate the time, though. Really looking forward to the tournament. It's going to be an exciting one. I know around the state of Montana, people are pumped up to have both teams uh in the uh, in the top eight, so that's uh, that's great. We appreciate it, and uh, I understand you'll be in the state of Montana in a couple of weeks to uh, take in a playoff game. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Although I found out earlier, it's uh, it's 64 degrees today in Alabama, so I heard that you got your first snow today. So I may have to reevaluate that. I didn't, I didn't know you had that much snow, but I'm really looking forward to my first trip. I'll be there next weekend for round two. Uh, serving as the NCAA site rep for the Missouri, uh, for the uh, Montana game. So I'm looking forward to my first experience at Grizzly Stadium. Well, drive slow. That's my recommendation <laughs> to you when you get here, okay? That's the key to the whole thing. Greg, we look forward to it. We'll look forward to having you here uh, in a couple of weeks as well, okay? Well, thank you so much. You bet. Greg Seitz, thank you. Jacksonville State Athletic Director and Chairman of the Committee. A lot of good stuff there and plenty of things uh, to get through. It would have been... The likelihood that you get the Cats and the Grizz in a national championship in this particular season, pretty unlikely. I think I could say that without going out on uh, too huge a limb. You never know. But North Dakota State, any team that isn't North Dakota State in the national championship is pretty unlikely. It That's is. all I'm saying. It is. So it's not it's not about the Cats and the Grizz, it's about NDSU. Point it, being, it would be so, if they were four and five instead of five and six, they would be playing each other after one win each. No. Yes. Yes. Is that true? That is true. Oh, yeah, that's Montana right. That's State, right. That's right, because Sac State and Montana State will play. That's now, right. Sacramento right. State absolutely deserves to be a four. Okay? I'm not saying that they should have been the six. This is not about what should have been or anybody getting it wrong. All I'm saying is, if they're both one slot better, they are playing each other in the national quarterfinal if they take care of business after, you know, in, in their first game at home after the bye. That would be, I don't know what that would be. Uh, maybe the universe comes to a close at that point. I don't know how it goes, but it would be it would be remarkable in this scenario. They both got to go the distance, and then, I mean, then for sure the universe comes to a close if that actually transpires. Uh, so we'll we'll, we'll uh, obviously look forward to all that. But th- we appreciate Greg being on with us, and we will look forward to. We have some more sound from Bobby Houck that I thought was. I actually still don't know really what to make of it uh, at this point, so we'll get to that a little later on in the show as well, particularly in the context of the postseason and playoffs and all that. Next, though, boys and girls, we got a bunch of state champions. Coulter and I made it over to Butte. 
caught the uh, second half of the Butte-Bozeman State AA Championship game and a bunch of other state championship games around the state on Saturday. We'll break all of it down for you right after this. Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web. Indeed I do, so I'm on my computer all the time. And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure. Am I right? Absolutely. Got to be cyber safe this day and age. Well, for you business owners out there, whether you have an online business or a brick-and-mortar business, it's still running through the web. We all know that's a fact. And in today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana. They do. They're keeping everybody cyber secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state. So ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. ESPN Missoula Sports Center. Good afternoon, Ryan Tutel, Colton Nuanas. Here is your ESPN Sports Center. The 119th Cat Grizz football game was one of the most lopsided in history from the opening kickoff to the final gun. Montana State was completely overwhelming in a 48-14 round of the Montana Grizzlies. With Troy Anderson sidelined due to injury, a dominant Cat offensive line still bulldozed the way to 382 rush yards and six touchdowns. Isaiah Afonso rushed for 171 yards on 21 carries and had three touchdowns in just his second game back from injury. Logan Jones also cleared the century mark for MSU with 121 yards on the ground. Another score. Cats rushed for 382 yards, the most in Cacra's history. On the other side of the ball, MSU was nearly as dominant. Montana fumbled on his first offensive play, setting up the first Cat score. And the Grizz didn't pick up a first down until their fourth possession, at which point the game was already 17-0. Montana was held to just 46 yards rushing, much of which was due to the six sacks that Dalton Sneed incurred. Dalton went for, uh, Sneed went 20 of 34 for 195 yards, no touchdowns and one interception. Marcus Knight had both Montana scores, takes his season total to a, a amazing 21 on the year. Montana, number six seed in the playoffs. They get a first round bye. They await the winner of Southeastern Louisiana and Villanova. The Cats got the five seed. They await the winner of Albany Central Connecticut State. talk about state championships at the high school level for a minute, shall we? It's Tutel Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris Studios. Kurtz Polaris at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula, Saturday, December 7th, is their 7th annual snow day. It's the biggest sale of the entire year anywhere. Go there one day only. Get every Christmas present that you need for everybody on your list, including yourself, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at Kurtz Polaris. Uh, if you uh, would like to listen live, maybe you're out of the market, maybe it's just easier for you, 1029ESPN.com. You go there, you listen to the stream. It's on the Listen Live tab. It's available thanks to Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Stick around with us. We are going to get to, uh, in this, uh, to kind of towards the end of the show, some more sound for you and more uh, prospectus of the two schools of Montana Montana State coming off of that Cat Grizz game Saturday and into a bye, which I think both schools are thrilled to be having uh, for for two very different reasons, but both probably need uh, very much. And also, what it's going to look like for uh, for them. We'll also set up for you what, how the bracket's set up, who they will be playing, the potential matchups there. So we'll get you to all that. But before that, we got to talk about some state championship football culture. It's our prep extra segment. It's brought to us by the Farmer State Bank. Farmer State Bank, your Montana bank since 1907. And you and I, Went, did the show in Bozeman on Friday night, jumped in the rig, drove back over the hill, had to grab a little bit of food because, you know, it's been a long day. Got to keep the uh, fires burning. And then we went in to Naranchi Stadium. And Coulter, when we walked into Naranchi Stadium uh, just after halftime uh, at that point, we stepped back in time, man. We were standing there in front of, I mean, I don't know, 8,000 plus 
people at this at a, at a high school stadium. And if you've been to Naranji Stadium, you kind of know how it's set up. But it's so cool because Butte, as we know, is built on the side of a hill. And it's a pretty significant angle. And so if you're going to have anything flat, there's going to be the uphill side of it looking down at everything and the downhill side of it sort of looking up at everything. And so you have this sort of asymmetry of sidelines, but there's still bleachers on both sides, people standing, standing room only, several people deep, and on top of like the press box. I mean, they're standing on top of the bars. Every it was like Wrigley Field. People on the uh, the apartments across the street trying to look into this thing. I mean, every possible person that could have been there seems like was there. And it was fourteen fourteen at nothing. A great football game. And then uh, Bozeman ends up r- running, literally running away with it. But Coulter, before we get into the game itself, just the the experience of being in Butte, Montana, in that historic stadium in that historic town in a place that still is just it's a bunch of fighters and I mean that in the best sense of people who just are just are are tough-minded people who are going to sit there and do it and where the high school sports mean so very much I mean when you talk about Bozeman when you talk about Missoula anybody who's obviously got kids playing all that but you're talking about an entire community that's a f- significant one in the state of Montana in terms of its size and stuff rallies around them rallies around the Butte Bulldogs and what they're up to it was unbelievable and it was it was such a wonderful night to be there uh, and uh, and to be in that stadium in that place the best way I could describe like Helena is Montana's smallest big town mm. Butte is Montana's biggest small town mm. Great. Butte is just like the other small towns in Montana, even though there's still 30,000 people that live there. It's right. nowhere close to as big as it once was when it was 150,000 people in a gigantic metropolis. By you know, by, by Western standards, it was one of the biggest cities west of the Mississippi Correct. at the turn of the century. And there was more m- money and more resources and industry and all that. But that pride and that sense of place and that... You know, true just ide- identifying with where you're from remains in Butte more than perhaps anywhere else in the state of Montana. And we know Montanans are as proud as any people in the United States of America in terms of where we're from. And uh, so that part was cool. It was a very interesting experience to watch Bozeman, the rival, run the ball down Butte's throats and watch just the, the deflation of the atmosphere. Because mm-hmm. when we walked in the stadium, we didn't get there till halftime. It was 14-14. It's pandemonium. It was everybody was going crazy. It was loud. It was awesome. Cool. And then touchdown drive after touchdown drive after touchdown drive. And Bozeman just took the air out of the stadium. But all that said, congratulations to Bozeman. I think they were certainly the better team. Butte went undefeated leading up to the state championship game. And they, they definitely they won the West, which was the harder of the two sides of the bracket. But that said, Bozeman thoroughly dominated the line of scrimmage in both their semifinal and final games. I got to watch both of them live, and Asher Croy, he's going to get all the headlines. Future Grizz running back, he rushed for 333 yards and three touchdowns on 33 carries. A lot of great symmetry there. Yeah, no doubt. But his offensive line deserves a ton of credit. I thought there was at least three kids that, and I apologize for not having a roster in front of me, but anybody out there that follows Bozeman Hawk football, I'm sure you'll know the numbers. Number 66, number 69, number 72 were great. They're awesome. Uh, I thought that they really paved the way for Asher Croy, and, well, and, and it was it was it was both of them too because Asher is uh, by high school running back standards gigantic. He's six one, two hundred fifteen pounds. He's a he's a big he's a big person anyway. But you're talking about a high school guy who's a runner of the football. That's big, and so he had great lanes to run in, and also in the event that there were kids coming up, you know, to make a tackle. Multiple times, it just it ain't happening. Just put a stiff arm there, and you're just going to the ground. It's still so interesting, Coulter, isn't it? It, it, Even in varsity football, especially in a place where there's again just so few people, such a rural state like Montana, even even at the AA level, the disparity between the uh, uh, kids who have who are hitting, heading into adulthood and the kids who have not gotten there yet. Right. And, I mean, you get some kids, they're like, oh, everybody comes with different sizes, I understand that. But you also physical have, maturity, you yeah. got some boys that are basically men and you got some boys that are still boys playing on the same field together. Definitely. And even when you're in the right place and you make the right read and you go downhill and you, you fire your gun and all that kind of stuff, 
I mean, Asher Croy maybe not going to be taken down by you, you know, and that's just that's just sort of the physical imbalance that it is, and it's both directions. But you're right when you have a couple of kids who can impose their will in that way. I mean, it was it was an interesting harbinger to what would take place less than 24 hours later. I mean, it was the second half no of doubt. the Butte Bozeman game was the entire game of the of the Cat Cruz game. The next I mean, day. yeah, Asher Croy rushed for over 200 yards, and a, a great story for that young man because. His father, Guy Croy, longtime head coach at Huntley Project, basically forced out as the head coach there. They decided to not stay in the community. They instead transferred to Bozeman. Guy Croy was on Levi Westy's staff. He's helping out. That takes a lot to you know be a perennial state championship contender at Huntley Project and swallow your pride and go be an assistant so that your son can get a look at the top level. And Guy Croy played for the Grizz in the 1990s, so he knows what it takes. And I interviewed Guy after the game, and sorry, we don't have that sound ready right now, but we can get it to you later on this week, but... He talked about just the sacrifice that it took, but also just the opportunity that there was and how vindicating it was for his son to have the best game of his career mm. in the state championship game. I mean, Huntley Project had lost three state championship games under Guy Croy in, in recent years. And so then to get the state title as a coach, have his son lead Bozeman to a state title, it's a good moment. It's a cool moment. And Guy, or excuse me, Asher Croy, he told uh, a reporter earlier this season that. He wears number 34 because he idolizes Chase Reynolds. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that he's got the the top-end speed that Chase Reynolds has got. And, I mean, Chase Reynolds has played in the NFL for six years, so it's hard to compare anybody to Chase Reynolds. But the kid's got some juice, and he's got some toughness. And uh, he's going to be – I'll tell you this. If he continues to work hard, Bobby Houck's going to love that kid yeah. playing for the University of Montana. But – it was definitely an interesting experience at Naranchi because the atmosphere was so cool, but the atmosphere was also largely deflated because of the way that the Hawks were able to execute. But Bozeman was certainly the better team. You know, guests, the Wingate by Wyndham is the Missoula Hotel that truly offers something for everybody. No doubt. It's conveniently located near the airport, easy for when your friends come to visit you. And you know, of course, my favorite, water slides. That's right. they got an awesome water park with a sweet water slide that's perfect for families, groups, and birthday parties. With the Wingate, they also have a terrific business travel rate, large meeting spaces for you and your clients, and one of the best rewards programs you'll find anywhere. Talk to me about breakfast. They're not messing around with the Continental. They got the full breakfast spread, man. That's what I'm talking about. I need that. They got you covered there as well. Just down the road from the Missoula Airport, the location is quiet and convenient. The parking is ample and free, and the staff genuinely cares about taking care of their guests. The Wingate is at 5252 Airway Boulevard. You can also call. Very simple, easily memorizable number, 541-8000. That's 541-8000. The best hotel at the best spot for a hotel near the airport. Let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home even when you're not. Class A, Miles City, stem to stern. They hosted the state championship. They beat uh, two-time defending state champion uh, runner-up Hamilton the week before. They get Laurel, who uh, beat Dillon on the road. So Laurel, uh, a really good team. And this game, uh, the best team won, and they won going away. 35-7, to the final uh, in this football game. It's the first state championship since 2010 for Miles City, and they did so at home. Uh, Carson Hunter, uh, uh, you know, p- potential college player. Their quarterback there, um, but he was uh, had had a very nice game as well. They gave up three passing touchdowns. Are you ready? This year, the Miles City defense. I mean, that's uh, uh, unbelievable. Uh, so there's a, a really good football team, and they're the state champions. And there's there's just no doubt they have been this entire season and proved it again. The best team in Class A. We've talked a lot since I joined the show about some of the dynasties in Class A and the consistent performers and. That list included Dylan. It included Hamilton in the late 90s, early 2000s, then not Hamilton, and then Hamilton again. Billy Central has been right there always. But it's easy to forget Miles City is the dynasty. They are, they are the team in Class A. They had 10 state titles, but they just hadn't won one since 2010, and that mm. was their first one in 10 years then. So uh, maybe a return to dominance for Miles City. We'll see. I don't know what the next group of kids looks like, but I will tell you this. We talked about this two weeks ago. I don't want to get into too much, just the, the erosion of the media industry in Montana, but it is sort of sad to me. And then the newspapers just don't have the ability or resources. There's no shot at the newspapers. I know having worked in newspapers, they just don't have the ability and resources to cover stuff like they used to. You can't have the full game recaps and box scores all the time because they just don't have the guys to do it. That said, Miles C did not get the coverage in the western part of the state that they probably deserved, and they were sort of this mysterious 
juggernaut who are just rolling through people and shutting everybody out. But I think there was just a perception in the West that the East was this week and Miles City was going to get theirs when they had to play Hamilton or Dillon or Frenchtown, and that's not the case. They rolled everybody, and uh, I also say, having, but by the time the quarterfinals and the semifinals and the finals of the playoffs rolled around, now then some media started going out there, and there was some videos being tweeted. The Carson Hunter kid's a really good player, man. Mm-hmm. The quarterback, he he's a really good player. I don't know if he's a Division One level talent yet. But he's a college-level talent. You can tell when you can see a guy who spins it well enough to play at the college level, whether it's at Carroll or Rocky or whatever. And if you can play at that level in Class A, you're really, really, really good. And mm-hmm. he he's good, man. He's going to be a kid to keep an eye on. So maybe this is not only just a singular great run by the Cowboys, but also maybe they have a chance to be pretty good going forward, too, because he's only a junior. You know, and within the context of that, it's, it's also worth going back to Butte and, and mentioning Tommy Mallott. I mean, mm-hmm. Tommy Mallott, watching him play, he... He is he's a he's a very strong kid. He's not prototypical size for you know D one quarterback, but he but he's he's big and strong. I don't know if he's going to grow anymore, but he throws a spectacular ball. And great velocity. He, he's great got a velocity. funny release though. Yeah, but I mean, so does Philip Rivers, man. So does Reggie Miller. It worked out. I mean, okay. yeah, but some of these coaches are so drunk on the notion that they have to look good. I mean, I don't know, man. I've just I seen some. I see some guys with good. I've seen some guys with funny releases, and, and like, I mean, Travis Johnson got moved from quarterback the second day of fall camp. He got a funny release. There was right. no, he's never even given a chance to right. prove he could do it in a game. Who right. knows? Maybe he could. Maybe he couldn't. I don't know. But I mean, Montana State. Uh, we'll see where, where where they put him. But I also thought I thought Tommy Watt was a Division One caliber athlete and a Division One caliber competitor. Certainly, what we watched. I I don't know if he's a Division One caliber quarterback. I don't either. But I would t- I would tend towards that he is. And I saw him put the ball. I saw some anticipation throws. And I saw I saw easily five balls, Coulter. That if a college receiver is on the other end of no that doubt. thing, it's 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 big time plays. I mean, he was throwing the ball early. He had a wide receiver put the ball on him who turned the wrong direction. Direction, went over the wrong shoulder for it, where he put it where he needed to in terms of away from the defense and stuff. So, again, that's that's what it is. Uh, you know, you kind of deal with that stuff. But I think he's got a, a, a great opportunity to be a really good player and potentially a quarterback uh, as well at, uh, at Montana State. Coulter Class B, Hank Dunn had three scores, and Eureka scored three times and won their third state title in four years if we're going to keep going with the symmetry thing. 20-6 to six over Manhattan. This is impressive because Manhattan beat Fairfield, who I think had been kind of the consensus top team in Class B that season. And so Man- Manhattan, to get that win, host this game, and then you read a, Eureka to come in and get it done. Impressive. I think you see some of the experience, though, of having played in these state championship games and won them their third and four years. And Eureka's starting tailback, who set a school record for rushing touchdown, or rushing yards and rushing touchdowns in a season. He tore his ACL. Uh, and Hank Dunn stepped up in his place. Hank Dunn had been a standout in a lot of different other positions, but he stepped up and uh, he had a couple picks. He had a couple rushing touchdowns, and he scored all the points. So... Congratulations to the Lincoln County Lions. Three and four years is impressive, especially at Class B where your numbers just ebb and flow so much. Very impressive. And finally, Class C, eight-man behind a group of 12. Count them up, 12 seniors. That is one and a half times more people than you need to play eight-man, by the way. Fairview, first state championship in school history. They beat Alberton Superior 70-6. to I know the scores can get out of hand when he's playing less than 11-man football, but that is still a pretty pretty big margin of victory, but Congratulations to Fairview, who uh, who rolled through and won their first state championship in history. Twelve seniors, which is an amazing number when you're talking about Class C it's, eight man. It's truly remarkable. And uh, Cody Esbeck, he took the opening kickoff, 77 yards for a touchdown. Remember, they're only playing on an 80 yard field, so it's like a hundred yard return basically in the on a real field. Uh, he, and they scored another rushing touchdown. He caught three more touchdown passes, so he scored five total touchdowns in three different ways. Alex Shriver threw five total touchdown passes, including three to Espec, two more to Jesse Selting, and then Shriver himself ran for two more and returned an interception for one. So a lot of touchdowns being scored when he scores 70 points. But Fairview's had a lot of success for a long time. So I was actually surprised when I was writing this that this was the first state title in school history because they've had multiple playoff runs. They've lost, I think they lost in the Final Four recently. So um, they've been right there. And then Class E, six-man to wrap it all up. 
the uh, Garfield County. Yeah, Garfield County from, from Jordan beat Weibo, the defending state champs, seventy to fourteen. Yep, uh, impressive. Where Weibo, yeah, like you said, the defending state champs and Weibo, you know, perennially uh, in it at the Class C six man level. But well, they they were an eight man power, and then they had to drop down to six man, and you know, that's probably one of the saddest things to me because I love the little small towns, I love the little rivalries that develop on the high line, and. Because of technology and because of so many different factors, there so many small towns in Montana are just losing population hand yeah. over fist. Yeah. And Weibo driving a drop from eight to six man is too bad. And a lot of the co-ops that have sprung up, it's good to maintain the validity and even existence of the football program. But a lot of times then you're completely eliminating Age-old rivals like Geraldine Highwood is the greatest one and the worst one because Geraldine Highwood had one of Geraldine and Highwood had one of the great classy rivalries ever, and now they're a co-op and non-ironically they're named the Rivals, which I know is just like salt in an open wound for any old timer that lives in either of those right, towns. Right. But uh, it, it's that part's too bad. Uh, we'll see. I, I really hope that the dwindling numbers in football across the state don't continue to impact the small towns, but I think it's inevitable. Farmer State Bank, they bring us the prep extra segment every uh, every week, and we appreciate them for it. And this was uh, this was a fun one, heck of a weekend. The Class C, uh, or excuse me, the cl- in the high school level, all classifications for the state championships in football. One more note: this is not a prep thing, but we've had this young lady on the show as when she was a prep star, and it's just worth noting. And we'll probably try to get an interview with her. Uh, maybe later on this week or maybe next week because she's of natural repute at this point. Camilla Noe, who's been on this show before, she mm-hmm. was our Mattress Firm Student of the Week once upon a time. She was a finalist for the Student of the Year. She ended up going to the University of Portland and not loving it. She was only there for a semester. She transfers back to her hometown. She's from Bozeman to run for Montana State. And she became the first woman in 27 years from the state of Montana to win the Big Sky Cross Country Championship. She advanced to the NCAA Regionals where she took fifth. And then she advanced to the NCAA Nationals where she took 40th. And 40th is good enough for All-American honors. So she's the first female cross-country runner to earn All-American honors in more than 20 years. So it's pretty impressive. Very impressive. And the most impressive part about it is she's only a freshman still. <laughs> I mean, it's that that is really remarkable. Certainly, congratulations to her. Prep Extra segment brought to us by Farmer State Bank. Hey, how do you pl- plan to finance Christmas this year? Forget the high-interest credit cards. Don't load it up on a credit card, people. Apply for a holiday loan at Farmer State Bank. Count on fast approval times, low interest, and easy payments OAC. That's Farmer State Bank helping you do Christmas right. Take a quick break. We'll come back. Back into Cat Grits next. Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web. Indeed I do, so I'm on my computer all the time. And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure. Am I right? Absolutely. Got to be cyber safe this day and age. Well, for you business owners out there, whether you have an online business or a brick-and-mortar business, it's still running through the web. We all know that's a fact. And in today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana. They do. They're keeping everybody cyber-secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state. So ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. If we go to a game and it's 60 to nothing or 67, which we've seen plenty of times, we'll play... It's just a snooze fest. It doesn't even matter. This game, 48-14. Not close. Complete domination. Riveting. Riveting. Stu Tell Nuwana's 1029 ESPN Radio. We are broadcasting live from the Curse Polaris Studios. Curse Polaris at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula, Highway 83 in Sealy. Go to the Missoula store on Saturday, December 7th. If you're going to the playoff game, go early. Go get some coffee, cinnamon rolls. They got lunch for you as well. If you go a little later, 10 to 4. Biggest sale of the entire year, one day only, December 7th at Chris Polaris. If you missed anything in the show, check it out on the podcast. Podcast available wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen on the station website at 1029ESPN.com. The podcast available thanks to the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel. Want to remind everybody, short week. It's a great week. It's actually a long week, but it's a long family week. 
short work week. Three days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We're out Thursday and Friday. Uh, so enjoy your long weekend with your family, wherever you are, whatever you're up to. So uh, get with get with the people. Get with the people, man. Here's what we do. I don't know. Because, you know, some people got family around. Some people don't, you know. We got two Thanksgivings. A lot of people mm. getting in on the second one, the Friendsgiving. Mm. So we had that. I don't know, a week ago, 25 people sitting in a circle singing karaoke, passing the turkey. I'm into it, man. And my wife now, did I tell you about my first Filipino Thanksgiving? My tell aunt, My aunt, full on, uh, like, very difficult to understand, accent, born, raised, lived in the Philippines forever before moving to the United States. So now, obviously, she's got to have Thanksgiving because she's in the U.S. Walk in, you know what they got? Full fish, head on it fish for Thanksgiving and karaoke in the living room. That was one of my Thanksgivings along the line. Think, and then you know what? It was great. I think, Blast. The, I think the only thing that could give me instant anxiety is the thought of karaoke at Friendsgiving. Oh, no. Oh, you got to get on that. Thing and then and as soon as then everybody's like, oh, your turn, your turn. You got to go. Dude, I, that's the moment I hope I choke on my drumstick. <laughs> a day on the microphone in the entire state one song in front of a couple people you know you pass out being intentionally gregarious for lack of a better word is not not not, i'm not into it (laughs) that is a fact uh coulter let's go back to this game 48 14 montana state we talked obviously a ton in the first segment uh or the first hour excuse me about this game the ramifications of it and we have more thoughts on it which we're going to share and more sort of both podcast side of things and on this show for the next couple of days. But let's hear a little bit of Bobby Houck because he said it's so odd. And this is why I think that he, my real perception of him in the press conference is just trying to get through it in an affable way. He was actually more more prone to answer questions than almost in any press conference I've seen because I think it's hard to have it, just get hammered and embarrassed the way that you do and then come out and be short. You know, that's a really bad look. So I thought that he answered the questions and all that, but I also thought he was self-contradictory at various times because he just didn't even know really what to say. And so when you say, well, you know, it matters, you know, this means everything to them and maybe we need to take it, you know, more seriously as well as if you're not taking it seriously and then people go, well, what's going on? Or is that just a, a needless shot at the opponent who just beat you or whatever? But then you asked him what I thought was, a a very apropos question, a reasonable one, and the answer to it was, uh, I'm still trying to figure out, so here you go. I'm sure your kids are disappointed, so how how do you not let this become too big of a thing and and move past it? It'll be a big thing. We won't be moving past it. So, Resetting the mindset for the playoffs, though, that would be hard to do. I can tell you we're going to be just great next week. We won't be. Here's what's interesting about this. I, I, I think I understand what he's doing there. Like, we got wrecked. Everybody's going to be down. And for me to sit up here and go, yeah, you know, we're just going to get over it. Even after saying that, you know, it, you know that, that it means everything to them and maybe it should to us, clearly it does. And he's upset about this. But also to sit there and say, we're not going to get over this. We, I, it's going to be difficult to get up for a playoff game. I'd like to tell you that we'll be ready to go. We won't be. But they I mean, play, he just said this week. He did. And they don't play this week. That's right. And that, and again, that's, that's why a blessing, ha- that's the biggest blessing the Grizzlies have. Having a bye this week, Mass. I, I, I really think that if Montana played this week in Missoula, it's twofold. It, right? it would be it would be a trap game with a capital T. Maybe or, or it could, goes or the it could other be way. a way to wipe the slate clean. Yeah, right? that's right. It could be a it could be seventy zero too. Like last year. The Cats won in such an emotional fashion, but that game was such a war. Yes, that m- multiple guys were just out. Like mm. they had to shut down Bryce Dirk, Derek Marks, Tucker Yates the very next week, but they got such a good bad draw <laughs> because they got the worst team in the bracket in Incarnate Word coming to their house, so they were able to win that game decisively without their best players. But then they had to go to NDSU, so they knew that they had to save those guys up. But Jeff Choate talked about it in his press conference today, and we'll play that sound uh, later on in the week. But he said. Last year, we for sure rode the emotional high of our win in Missoula mm-hmm. through the next playoff game, and then we crashed. Yeah. And when you crash, and then you got NDSU on the horizon, <laughs> that's how you go 52-10. I, I, I can't wait to talk to Coach Houck again. 
And I know we've pretty much killed Montana on the show, but well, we well, but we should not demean the season that Montana. No had. doubt, this is about it's a one tremendous game. season. Yes, and I think that what he meant, he was trying to get out of there. That was the last question in the press was. conference. He wanted to. I mean, Denarius McGee had already accidentally stuck his head into the press conference. The Montana State players were standing right there. I mean, it was it was kind of like curtains. Yeah. Like everybody was trying yeah. to wrap it, wrap it. And uh, I, I want to talk to Coach Hawk about it again because I think that I don't want to say what I think he meant, but I want to follow. I, I want to. I want to follow up with him. Yeah, because I think what he meant was we're not going to be okay, but not that it's going to kill our mindset for the rest of the year, but rather we're not going to get over it. It's going to be our motivating factor for mm-hmm. from henceforth. Right. Right. As as it as it should be as, as it, it should be. be. Uh, you also asked Jeff Choate about. Playoff resume. This is before the seeds came out. We didn't know where they would be if they would get a buy and all that. Thought we thought they would after the way that game went. Here you go. Nine wins, though. I mean, you guys have a very good playoff resume. So, I mean, what would you say to the committee just in terms of the case for? I don't think we need to make a case. I think we're a nine-win Big Sky team that just beat the number three team in the country soundly, and so I think that that resume will speak for itself. No doubt, no doubt, and it did. And they got they're the number five team in the nation according to the committee, and they have a buy. And congratulations. And again, congratulations to both teams. The seasons that these two teams have been have been outstanding. Two of the top six teams in the United States of America. I mean, that's, that is fantastic. Here's the question, though, that I wanted to finish up with you on today, Colter, regarding this game. Okay, You said we've been killing Montana today. Well, they, they should be killed today. Today, when it yeah. comes to this game and what happened, because they were killed on Saturday, and, and they were out physical, out efforted, and they did not come ready to play, and that's exactly the issue. This they is got to delay a game on the first play of the game, my man. This is what I want to talk to you about. You and I said, if, of all the things I'm shocked at, this is what I'm shocked at the most from this game. We thought that this game on Saturday was going to be the most fearsome physical fight that you could you could imagine on a football field. And it simply was not. It was the tough guy taking out the other guy who stood no chance. There was no give and take. There was only give in this football game. And after having watched Montana all season long and really the Grizzlies crescendoing when you talk about the physicality that they played with, they went away. They went away the same way, if not more, than Weber State went away the week before. And that is the thing that I am I am still, I don't know how to, well, I understand if Mitch Brott says the greatest thing in the world is moving a person from A to B against their will, and he can do that to you, there's not much in the way of, you know, overcoming that. But the fight, the effort, the readiness to play, there was none of it at any point. I know, and I was thinking about this because... There wasn't, but the Grizz also never stopped trying, which also meant that the the <laughs> I'm trying to not use bad words here. The the butt whipping yes. never ended because you're right. They didn't have the the proper level of preparedness. They did not have the proper level of effort. But they didn't also crawl into a hole and go away. They were still sort of fighting. They just never had the momentum on their side. And so it made it so that the whipping went even further. Like Montana called off the dogs after they were up 35-3 with 12 minutes to go in the game against Weber State. Montana State whipped them and whipped them and whipped them some more. There's no calling off the dogs ever in this game, no matter who's at. And that's what I'm saying. That's why the the 60-minute bludgeoning that happened it could not happen in any other game because in any other game, somebody would be trying to mitigate snaps for the playoffs or whatever. I mean, Isaiah Fonse and Logan Jones were the ones getting the carries to run out the clock. And again, I guess I I want to be I want to be clear here. When you talk about the players, who this means everything to. I mean, I truly feel bad. I I feel bad for any, every team that loses this game because I know it means so much to everybody that's playing, and that's the nature of sports. Is there's a winner and a loser, and particularly in this game, if you are the loser and you're a kid playing the game, it's it is so tough to swallow. And this more than most because you're talking about never having beat Montana State in the case of the seniors, and and not even a close game, and all of that. And I don't want to say that the individual, any individual player came out and phoned it in in this game. That did not happen, and I don't want to insinuate that in the least bit. But 
They, they got knocked. They got punched so hard they got knocked on their heels, and they couldn't dig their heels in. They're, exactly. They their head was pushed. just swimming the entire game, and there was no chance to sort of rally and then, quote-unquote, fight back. It just wasn't there. And that's what has to be that's the That's what was amazing. That was, has to be the motivation for the Grizz going to the postseason now. Because Jesse Sims, Josh Sandry, Colin Bingham, Dalton Sneed, Jonte Olsen, this group of maligned but proud seniors... This part's over. They will not beat the Bobcats in their careers. That's over. The only way they can redefine their legacy, though, is going on the first playoff run Montana's gone on since 2011. Or going back, I mean, said they made a run all the way to the national championship, going back to the national championship for the first time in a decade. It's the only way they can redefine. The, the most savage quote that was given by anybody besides Braden Conkle came from, of all people, the preacher man, Derek Marks. I mean, he's going to be a... A priest. He's going to the seminary right after he's done with school. He's never said a swear word in his life. And he said, I don't know what's sweeter, knowing that I beat the Grizz four times in a row or knowing that they have a bunch of seniors that never beat me. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, that's what it means. That's that, what it is. That's what it means. And here's what's also, here's what's crazy about this too. Montana has had an unbelievably good season. A, a season that they are, they are a year ahead of where their head coach thought they would be, according to their head coach. So by every metric aside from this one game on Saturday, this has been an overwhelming success. And hello, a postseason berth with a bye for the first time in four years for Montana. I mean, there should be confetti shot off in in that respect. And I think over the course of the next two weeks, the emotion and the energy and the excitement will build again. But this, I mean, this is... It, 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 it's unbelievable what this does to the narrative of a season and a team. It just, it's remarkable. And it, maybe it's too big. I, I, I don't know. I'm not It's sure. not too big when they're both ranked in the top 10. That's exactly it. I mean, because regardless, take the name off the front of the jersey again. Montana State, they went from a, we were talking last week on as an eight and four cat team get in. A nine and four cat team that just destroyed the number three team in the country, no matter if that's Villanova, James Madison, or Montana is in, and it redefines your entire season. I mean, the whole lose big, lose small, win small, win big. Jeff Choke could have had egg on his face for a long time, and instead they won four straight, including whipping the Grizz, and now they're into the playoffs, and they're the five seed in the playoffs, and it's a better scenario than anybody could have predicted. Yes, it is. They were picked to finish fourth or fifth in the league. That's right. They're the five seed. That's right. But by the way, there are four teams that are seeded from the big sky. Pretty good week for them. Plenty more to come on this. Got a lot to say about the progression for Montana State. And what, because this this game, to me, means has more real significance for the arc that they have than for Montana. But we don't have time anymore. News and news and news. But breaking news as of yesterday, it's not really breaking anymore. Ernest Collins out at Northern Colorado. We'll talk about that in the landscape of the rest of the big sky during a short week. See you tomorrow. Whether you're traveling to Missoula for business, a family visit, or to watch the Grizz game, the Wingate wants to be your home away from home. Call the Wingate to find out how we can take care of your next trip to Missoula. From conference rooms to great complimentary breakfast to an indoor water park, we have what you need and what you want when traveling. The Wingate of Missoula is a proud supporter of Grizzly and Lady Grizz athletics, and we look forward to making you feel at home when you're not. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.